You are now listening to the Lunch Break Podcast. What's going on, everybody? My name is James Bodden, and I am the host of the Lunch Break Podcast. This is a podcast that I've started to allow salespeople that I've come into contact with to come and share their stories on their lunch breaks, because let's be honest, we've all got selling to do. So with that, episode two, Malcolm J. Smith, who is an SDR manager at Leap. He's somebody that I connected with on LinkedIn probably, I think, back in May, and we just kind of hit it off immediately. Uh, we, we definitely had a lot of similarities in our careers, our career paths, what we're passionate about, and when I was thinking about who I wanted to bring on for episode two of the Lunch Break podcast, it was a no-brainer to bring Malcolm here. I'm super happy and feel honored to have him here, and I'm excited for you guys to be able to hear his story and learn from his experiences Malcolm, thank you so much for joining me, man. I'm happy to have you. James, it's an honor, man. I'm so excited to be a part of this. Uh, I think it's awesome what you're doing. This is really great content uh, for the SDR community as a whole. Yeah, man. Well, you know, you are uh, a fixture in the SDR community, man. You you care about it. You you have a passion around it. And, and I think that's why initially, you know, we kind of hit it off. I think, you know, what we'll do is we'll kick this thing off and, and just tell us your story. You know, tell us how you got into sales. Uh, you know, I know that we have some similarities in both working in wireless retail. Mm-hmm. Uh, what made you want to change uh, career paths and just lay it all out there for us, Malcolm. Absolutely. Yeah. So like uh, James had mentioned, I've been in sales basically my whole professional life. I was lucky enough when I was uh, 17 years old, I got a job at Sears selling consumer electronics. Uh, I actually worked with some old school sales pros that were like commission only, kind of like gruff kind of guys who taught me all the skills. And that's when I realized like sales was something you could learn. You know, it was it was a craft and a vocation that could be perfected. Um, from there, I transitioned into wireless sales, which is uh, where I spent the bulk of my career. Uh, I worked for one of the largest AT&T dealers in the country, Spring Mobile. And, uh, you know, for a, a long period of time there before I was a uh, while I was an individual contributor, I was statistically one of the most productive. Uh, salespeople in the country. And the reason for that was I was legitimately obsessed. Like I, I really took to it as, um, as a, as a vocation. Like I really wanted to learn everything about my product, about my service, about my clients and just take that extra step. And I would come in early, stay late. Um, and I, and I kind of transitioned into SDR and, and SAS because in 2012, I returned to school. I realized I was hitting kind of a ceiling in retail. I didn't have a degree and it was going to be tough to kind of transition out of that. So I did go back to school in 2012. I graduated from, uh, from Binghamton University with a degree in economics. And, you know, I really loved that. I, I applied the same gusto to uh, academics that I had to sales. And I was lucky enough to get contacted by a recruiting company. Um, and I, I was offered a job uh, with a SaaS startup in New York City. And uh, I was selling legal software as an account executive, essentially. I was hired with uh, a cohort of seven other people. And I was one of the only people uh, to hit to exceed quota in the first 90 days of hire. And uh, of those seven I was brought on with, I'm the last, the last one standing. So it was really impressive. I was, I was really happy to be able to do that. Um, the thing about being an account executive for me, it was something that was a hard transition because I was coming from an inbound retail place to essentially 100% outbound. Um, so it was a little bit of a struggle. I was very good at first and then kind of tapered off. And I, I tell people I was surprisingly average and I'm not used to being average. Um, I remember one night I was a little frustrated. I was staying up late and I, I came across Jeb Blunt's book, Fanatical Prospecting. And I read that thing cover to cover in a night 
and wow. I realized, like, oh, this is it. Like, I figured it all out. I cracked the code here, and I went in the next day, and I set up, like, five appointments, and that had never been done before. And I wow. fell in love with the phone. I fell in love with prospecting. I fell in love with everything sales development, and it was, like, it changed my whole life. Like, I realized, like, this is, this is something that not only can I do and apply my sales skills, but everything I learned in economics, everything I've learned over my entire life can be applied here. My creativity comes into play, my ability to communicate, my ability to do data analysis and research, and it was all there. Um, so I, I joined uh, as an SDR. It was basically an SDR for like two weeks before they were like, yeah, all right, go ahead, run the department. So I structured everything, built it all up, developed a playbook. And the way I was able to do that, quite honestly, is because the SDR community is just a wonderful community of people who are really willing to help. So you know, I was lucky enough to connect with people like Jimmy Chen over at Waggle and Morgan Ingram. Everybody knows him. They oh, yeah. were great mentors to me. They really helped me get an idea of how I should go about doing the, some of this stuff. And just a great soundboard to you know, bounce ideas off. Um, so I, I spent a lot of time structuring things and, you know, I, I'm at this point, I'm obsessed with it just even more so than I was with sales in general. You know, I spend pretty much all my free time thinking about SDR, thinking about development, you know, what could we be doing better? What are some of the trends in the industry? And it's been an absolutely rewarding, uh, career so far. And I'm really excited for the future of it. Yeah, man, that, that's, uh, that's a hell of a story there. Um, you know, I think there's, there's some things that I definitely want to kind of unpack and, and ask you about. So the first thing that I loved was, uh, you know, you started out at 17 working at Sears um, and, and you said that, that you worked with some of those older uh, seasoned veterans yeah. uh, and, and, and they taught you kind of the ropes. Now um, I think in the world, in the world that we live in today, uh, the sales world that we live in, um, I can imagine that they weren't necessarily of the same mindset as a lot of folks are now, right? And 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 when I say that, I mean, um, you know, there's almost nowadays it seems like an aversion to being a salesperson yeah. or dealing with salespeople. And there's definitely, I mean, like the idea of a commission-only job, uh, especially when you get out of the retail world, I mean, you know, it's almost like unheard of. So uh, the things that you learned from them, would you consider them, uh, you know, like old school mentality things, like always be closing or be super aggressive or uh, was that the type of thing that you were learning from them or, or was it something uh, that, that uh, you know, maybe was a little bit more long lasting? Uh, it was a little bit of both. There was definitely an element of that, you know, like old school aggression mentality, always be closing, hit the bricks, all that stuff. But I think the thing for me was, you know, I was kind of always a nerd my whole life. I love computers and electronics. And when I got that job, I thought, oh, cool, I'm just going to be able to talk about electronics all day. But I wasn't selling anything because I didn't understand that it's not enough to just know about the product. You have to know how people buy and you have to get people interested in and you have to be closing. I mean, that, that's the whole idea, right? And you're right. There's like this uh, weird aversion to the idea of, of closing business. But I think what we've come to in the, in the current state of affairs is we're always doing, we're talking about prospecting and trying to find ideal clients so that the closing is natural. And I think that is the right yeah. approach. But, you know, in a, retail, in a retail context, that doesn't always happen, right? You get people who wander in, they may not always know what they're looking for. They may just be killing time. I was in a mall, essentially. So what yeah. they is how you can take that passion you have for technology and your ability to communicate things and structure it in such a way and ask good questions and get people excited about buying things. And it's not just like, oh, really black and white, here's camera one and camera two, camera two is better. It's really understanding this is why camera two is better for you because yeah. 
told me this, that, and the other about yourself and what you like to do, or here's why this TV is going to work better for you. And that was the thing that they taught me that I was missing. And it was also like, you know, basic stuff like trying to sell, because of course, Sears was trying to get me to sell warranties and all this other crap. So it was like, I was trying to sell the warranty before I sold the TV. So it was little things like that. Like I was really green. So I had no idea what I was doing. I was just doing what I was told. But, you know, they gave me that ability to, to start thinking about it more than just a job, right? It was actually that could be crafted um so yeah. to, to that I'm, I'm forever grateful i remember a lot of their names i don't remember their last names importantly but al and farley if you guys ever have a chance to hear this you guys have been huge impact in my career I will, I will always be grateful for it that's awesome man yeah i mean it, it it takes me back to my days of working in wireless uh retail sales and and i was in the same exact mindset that you were like if i know enough about all of the different bells and whistles and you know, what megapixel the cameras are and all of these different things. That's what is going to make me a good salesperson. Uh, when in reality, uh, it's got to be a good mixture of both because I'm, you know, and I'm sure you uh, either maybe did this like I did or saw it happen where you can literally talk yourself out of a sale. Like I vividly remember times when people would come in and they would say, you know, like I, I'm here to get this, and I would just go way too deep into t talking to them about all of the different things that it could do without ever asking them what they wanted it to do, exactly. and they would feel so overwhelmed that they'd end up walking out. So yeah, yeah. they learn the lesson the hard way, but it's an incredibly valuable lesson to pull out, and and I think that's so awesome that you know you were able to uh, kind of distill that down out of maybe some of the more like uh, rough rougher edged uh ideals that you you were given early on in your career you were able to kind of identify the ones that were truly long lasting which i mean you know uh, uh being customer centric and thinking about uh you know the prospect and the client is is always a winning strategy in sales yeah, so 100%. Yeah. and one of the things that i remember specifically from the wireless industry of course everybody knows the iphone when android came out there was this really big push where we were getting obviously higher commission on Android for a lot of different reasons, but ultimately it was because Apple was not paying as much, but more people wanted to buy iPhones than Android. So that you normally, I think a lot of people would experience this. They'd go into a store and like the salesperson would like kill themselves trying to sell you on an Android. Mm -hmm. And I remember specifically having a manager who would legitimately crap all over iPhones, any opportunity he got, and then basically not sell anything because he was like, well, I'm going to make more on the Android, so I'll take the loss on not selling the iPhone. And I was like, I thought that was so crazy. So that's like, you know, I realized early on, like, you got to let them buy what they want. Like, your job is not to force them into something. Your job is to help them make this decision that's best for them. So, yeah, yeah. I totally agree with you. It's no. got to be customer-centric. Um, the other things that I remember them teaching me was little things like, you know, keeping track of all your – you're, obviously, we don't, you didn't have a CRM or anything. Like we had a very old school POS system, but just you know, keeping track of all the sales and promotions we got on, understanding when to be able to leverage that kind of stuff. When do you tell them about that? How to do attachment sales? Like, oh, you're buying yeah. a flash, you got to buy the HDMI cable. Like that doesn't seem obvious when you're not when you're not told that kind of stuff. And it was really important, or just keeping track of all of my invoices, making sure my commission was paid correctly. Like that was important because that doesn't always happen, unfortunately. So you have to be careful with that kind of stuff. And it was. You know, giving me that 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 framework and that structure to be organized and approach sales like a discipline instead of just oh, this is something I do. I clock in and kind of react. Well, and I think that's so uh, how fortunate you were, right? Because yeah. uh, I think with retail sales specifically, I feel like a lot of people 
fall into it. It's typically some not something that somebody like grows up wanting to be. Uh, I don't. I can't remember anybody ever saying, I want to grow up to be a retail salesperson. So you end up kind of like just getting this job and then you're just kind of there because you think maybe you can make some extra money through commission or whatever it is. And then you, uh, from my experience and kind of what I've seen with talking to other people that have either been in retail or maybe still are in retail, I can't speak to how it is recently because I haven't been involved uh, for, for you know quite a few years, but it did feel like uh, there were some things that you just weren't told and uh, management is, is, is focused on a number, right? And so the, the whole, you know, forcing an Android down somebody's throat that actually wants an iPhone just to meet a number, you know, if you're a green salesperson and that's how you're being taught to sell, that's how you're going to do it. And God, that's such a bad way to learn how to sell, yeah. right? So right, I think you're not a salesperson at that point. You're a clerk, right? You're, yeah. you're, you're an order taker, and that's that's the opposite of what I wanted to be. I think the other mentality that I brought over was uh, was the consultative mindset. But I think it's an important thing to talk about. You know, I wasn't always a happy camper. You know, it wasn't always green, uh, like green fields and pasture or whatever, right? Like there was a point, um, I think maybe in like 2010 or 2011, where I was before I'd returned to school, or I just I hated it. I, I hated everything. I hated going. I hated answering stupid questions. I hated help doing the customer service side of stuff. Like, unfortunately, for a little bit at the beginning, I was selling Sprint, and everybody knows that their service is garbage. So I was constantly getting hit with returns and all kinds of crap, and it was just it was really yeah. frustrating. But then when I returned to school, and I I did really well there, it kind of remotivated me. Like, oh, I can actually be really good at everything I do. I can strive every day to be the best version of myself. So then when I did get that opportunity, it started out as part time. I was working at AT and T. And then it just grew from there and I just went full on. Like I remember my first week I emailed the, uh, it was like an de independent dealer. I emailed yep. him and I was like, I'm so excited to work for your company. I can't wait to kill it for you. And like, that was something I hadn't really done before, but I brought that from my schooling thing where I was like, well, I'm going to email all my professors before the semester starts to get the syllabus early and get cracking as soon as I can. So mm -hmm. I, I brought that mentality into the work. And then like every day I would go to work, I was like, I'm going to just be 110% today, every single day. And then that's when I started to realize mindset is such an important piece of this so then when i got the opportunity to go into outside sales in in the SaaS world I, I just doubled down on that even more i was like this is not something that you can do successfully just exclusively within the confines of the working hours this has to be a lifestyle this is not just a job like if you're not waking up early and working and staying up late and bringing your work home from you and reading books and networking with people and listening to podcasts and expanding your skill set, then unfortunately, I think in today's world, you're at an extreme disadvantage. And, you know, all the tools we have now, I mean, Audible is incredible. You can pay 15 bucks a month and just listen to everything. Like there's so many yeah. you can get access to. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And I think, you know, being a, a constant learner is so important. But, you know, going back to what I was saying before, it's, it's the mindset, right? Like you need to, if anybody's listening to this is, is in retail or in a, at a, in a job they don't really enjoy, you got to figure out what is going to be uh, the thing for you that that helps you flip that mindset. You know, I was struggling with depression for a while, and it was it was really affecting me. It was affecting my relationship with my wife, and you know, I, I just I needed to make a change. And for me, it was going back to school and realizing like, oh, I actually am good at a lot of stuff. I can do this, um, but it could be a lot of things for a lot of people. So I, I think that's an important thing is mindset. Like at this point, when I hire people, I don't really care about your background. I don't care about your resume. I care about your mindset, your attitude, and your behaviors. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you know, uh, I think you've said so many great things, right? Like, uh, first of all, uh, the uh, your story just very clearly illustrates the power of your mindset because you um, so and, and let me make sure I'm getting the timeline correct here. So you were selling cell phones and you were miserable and you took yeah. a break. You went back to school and then when you got out of school, you went back to selling cell phones, right? Yeah, it was like, you know, I was I was going to school full time and then I was like, well, I got to do something on the side here. So I found yeah. a, a part time job at AT&T. But I was like, it doesn't matter this part time. Like, this is my brand. This is who no, I am. Yeah. I want to yeah. strive. To absolute you know, I was my first semester back at school. I was a non-traditional student. I was a little bit older. I was in my like mid 20s and it was like, you know, 18 year old kids there. But I was mm-hmm. like, that doesn't matter. Like, I'm going to use that as an opportunity. So I became really good friends with my professors. And like to this day, I'll go back to campus and there's math teachers there who still remember me. They remember I would go to all their offices. I would show up early for class. I would over-prepare for exams. Like, it's just how I wanted to be. And yeah. I, to be honest, I don't really understand why I started doing that. I just know that I did. And then it just grew from there. Um, so, yeah, totally. I mean, it almost – and, and the reason that I asked that uh, is because I think it's really – it really speaks to your mindset that, you know, it's not like you were miserable in an industry – uh, and then just left the industry altogether. I mean, that would make it much easier to kind of feel like you had a fresh slate and you could kind of just restart and be motivated. You know, you took a break and and reset your mindset and went back to the thing that you were not happy doing. And because of your mindset changed, absolutely crushed it and had a completely different experience. Wow. So, I mean, that is just so powerful. Like, and you don't necessarily have to take a break to, to do that if you are aware of it, right? So now anybody that's listening that's on their, you know, lunch break uh, in the back room, you know, and they're selling Sprint and they hate it, you know, <laughs> they can they can, uh, they can make that mind, mindset shift. So I, I think that's a great uh, piece of your story that, you know, uh, you were able to go back to the same industry and kill it. You know, and it was literally just commitment and your way of looking at it, uh, which I think is so powerful, man. Um, And then so, you know, you're having success with, you know, this new mindset. You've gone back to school and then you get this opportunity to, you know, get into the SaaS world. So uh, tell me tell me why you thought that was a good idea. What were your motivations for, you know, leaving uh, one industry and going to another, especially if you kind of felt rejuvenated in, in, in how you were going about doing things and executing. I mean, I think uh, would would love to get some insight on, on sure. what, what you were thinking there. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I guess, you know, the thing was, as, as rejuvenated as I was and as hardcore as I was about it, you know, graduating from Binghamton, having the degree now, coming back and running a store, I kind of saw the writing on the wall for what the future of this of that retail industry was going to be. You know, it was less about selling phones and more about selling like direct TV, selling like security stuff. And like it was it was very it was changing a lot. And then there was this constant disintermediation, more and more online sales. We were closing a lot of stores and I just realized this is not sustainable. So I started just applying for other jobs. Like I thought, well, you know what? Like I want to stay maybe in the cell phone world. So I started applying for like accessory vendors. Like I was like, I think I can handle a more mature sales position, right? Because I had always gone and networked with people at events like 
who worked for Otterbox or Casemate or any of those kinds of companies. I was like, well, maybe yeah. I could be an account rep for them or something. But then randomly on my school website, I got, con- I was, uh, I applied for, uh, it didn't even say what the job was. Actually, I remember it was, um, it was a Blackberry job, but then the recruiting company called me and they're like, yo, that job is actually no longer available, but we've got this other one that you may be interested in and it's selling software. And I was like, all right, yeah, sure. I can, I can take a look. And honestly, I, I knew what SaaS was as an idea, but I didn't really think too much about it. And then I went, I learned a little bit about the company. I went to that assessment day and it was like a 12 hour assessment. It was hardcore. I can really do this. And I just went full on in that interview and I really made the people there feel my energy. And I was like, listen, I'll come in and crush it. Like no question. And yeah. I did. Um, I and I think it. the thing about it was, you know, you have to be able to take a step back and realize what is the next five years for you look like. And I didn't like what the next five years in, in, in cell phones looked like for me. You know, the ultimate goal for a while was I want to be a district manager and then I want to be a regional director. But, you know, they made a ton of changes and then the regional director that I really liked wasn't there anymore. They just started closing stuff down. And I was like, oh, man, this isn't this isn't going to work. And then, like, I realized at a certain point that we're all beholden to this one master company, AT&T. They really don't want us to be involved. They'd rather sell this stuff themselves and with their own stores. And eventually, they don't even want to have stores. They want to do everything online. They want people just buying stuff online and having it delivered right to them and Amazon droning it to them and whatever. So yeah, you know, yeah. I was like, over time doing the research, so I was like, SaaS is sustainable. And even if yeah. this one company, because it's a startup, goes out, learning this as a skill set, I can go and do this anywhere. SaaS is like the future. Um, and I realized that. And I realized that this is something that I could take and do until I retire. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's so interesting because uh, I think you are, a li- are, are, are like a lot of salespeople that uh, maybe like you know, have like a less traditional way of getting into sales, right? So it's not like, uh, and I'm in the same boat. Uh, it's not like you went to a four-year college right after high school and, and you know, joined a fraternity and, and, and had those connections. And then your buddy started working at a SaaS startup and you didn't know what it was, but that was your first entree into sales, you know, and yeah. now you're in this great SaaS world. Um, I know that when I was selling cell phones, I didn't even, yeah, I was in the same boat as you are. I didn't even know about SaaS or, or about the B2B side of things. I mean, I obviously knew that, you know, there were salespeople and you could work in that industry, but I just, you know, it didn't, it seemed so far off. Um, and it seemed like something that I probably wasn't qualified for in one way or another. Um, but, in general, I just didn't know, you know, I didn't know that there was this whole other side to being a salesperson uh, because I had lived in the retail world for so long. So I think what a, what a, what a happy coincidence that, you know, you were kind of following up on that Blackberry job and, and, and this kind of presented itself to you because who knows how long it would have taken you to figure out that SAS was a place where, where you could prosper. I mean, it could have been, uh, a week later or years. Um, and so I think, you know, that's something that I've been thinking about a lot is like, uh, you know, how, and, and you know, uh, stories like yours help this cause, but how do we help educate people who are living in that retail world and let them know that there's this entire other side of being a salesperson that really is, uh, as far as the lifestyle goes and, um, you know, a lot of the culture pieces, it's kind of night and day. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think that's such a great, great piece of your story is that, you know, uh, 
you you were kind of awakened to this side of, of, of sales and speaking to that mentality that you had, I mean, it doesn't matter, right? You could, with that kind of mentality where you're willing to come in and you're not, uh, you know, you don't have all this bravado with nothing to back it up. No, you're, you're simply telling them how excited you are to get this opportunity and how hard you're going to work. And then you actually just go do it. And then the results come. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a great way to think, man. And I think no matter what you do, right. I mean, with that kind of mindset, you could do anything and you've proven it to yourself. Exactly. It's gotta be empowered. I mean, that's gotta be so empowering. Yeah, no, I truly believe that. And I think, you know, the, the piece of advice that I, I like to give people, because I still am very involved in, I think Binghamton was a big part of my success just in terms of, you know, kind of helping me organize who I was as a person and really pushing me to um, accelerate myself um, and, and really be able to do things at a high level. Um, but the thing is, what I tell people when I interact with them, like I do mentorship programs there, and I'm, I'm always looking to hire people from Bing. So anybody listening, just shoot me a resume. Um, I tell them, you know, what, 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 you, what you have at your disposal now is this wonderful tool called LinkedIn. And the, the, the thing about LinkedIn and how you should be using it, you shouldn't be blasting people relentlessly and just asking for jobs. What you should be thinking about is what do I really want to be doing? Who's already doing it? And how can I connect with them? And then what you want to do is you don't want to just be totally ingenuine and, and just like self-serving. You want to be authentic and you want to say, hey, listen, I think you're a really important person in this space or you're working in a company that I'm really, I, I'm interested in. I would love to just ask you a few questions or, you know, shadow you for a day maybe. And, you know, it may not seem on the surface that that's offering that person any value, but it is because what, there's a huge value in being a mentor. You know, I've, I've experienced both sides of it and there's a value there. And I think if you're willing to learn and you're willing to be coachable and you're willing to take feedback and, you know, learn about somebody's day to day and learn about somebody's industry, that is actually valuable. And there's a, there's a reason somebody would want to do that. Now I had that opportunity internally with my family. Like I had people that, you know, were, were able, like there was one point where I thought I may want to get into finance. So, you know, I had uh, my wife's uncle hook me up with a day where I went and spent the day with a VP at Deutsche Bank. Not everybody gets to have those types of opportunities. And I appreciate that but you do have the ability to just be totally yourself and you can build out your own brand and you can really establish who you are, you know, at a mass scale that really wasn't possible even 10 years ago, you know, LinkedIn was in its infancy then not as many people were on that platform. So I encourage high school kids to get on LinkedIn. Now start connecting yeah. with the colleges you want to go to, ask them what it's like, start yeah. talking to professors. Now there's no reason not to like really take charge of your future and like, you should be the one in control of what you're doing. You shouldn't be reactive, right? You shouldn't, yeah. you should be proactive. Doing what you did and saying, okay, I'm unhappy. There are things going on in my life. I'm struggling with real issues, depression, you know, which I think is something uh, that salespeople probably deal with a lot, but we don't talk about. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, taking that time and just saying like, what do I want? You know, I've got, everybody's got potential everybody's got potential and totally most people just don't take the time to think about how they want to use it. And exactly. I think, you know, your story speaks to the power of, you know, changing your mindset, having that positive mindset, being willing to put in the work behind it to make it actually come to fruition. And then, at the same time, thinking about what you're going to do with this newfound motivation and uh, willingness to work hard. Because if you're 
working super hard in an industry or at a job that you don't like, what's the point? Right. So, you know, kudos to you for, for, you know, having that vision. One thing that I think is interesting about your story that I wanted to highlight is that I think uh, the role that going to school played for you is very unique because, yeah. you know, there's always that debate. Like, you know, if you're a salesperson, does it even matter if you go to college? Like, should you even go to college? You know, you were speaking about high school kids. Like, I'm sure a lot of them are like, well, I know I, you know, I'm a hustler and I, I want to do all these things and I should just start get you know, selling cars when I'm 18 and not even worry about school. So, you know, it seems like, uh, and, and, you know, uh, from, from your story that school really was an accelerator for you. Yeah. You know, no, that's definitely true. For me, it was, but what I'll say is, you know, understanding how the world is now, I don't know if it's fair to say that college is for everybody to the point where I don't require a college degree. If somebody's got the experience, I'm fine. If they're really good, if they can do the job, then that's fine. Yeah. For certain industries, obviously, you have to have a degree. You're not going to be a doctor unless you go to college. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. In general, I think what you need to do instead is you need to think about, well, if I'm not going to go to college, what am I going to do instead? And yeah. where, is the, the important thing is not the degree. It's the education. It's the skill set that comes with that. It's the, it's the ability to, to have the discipline to follow a regimen and a structure and accomplish tasks. I mean, if you think about what a four-year college degree represents – on the surface, ostensibly, it should represent this person had the ability to pass all their exams, to pass their classes, to do what was necessary in order to receive this diploma from this university, right? Now, of course, yeah. people can argue that there's obviously a lot of things that go on to that, but whatever. <laughs> sure. Um, but that may not be true. There may be people who just do not do well in an academic environment. Now, I was lucky that my parents are both doctors. They're very studious, education-oriented people. You know, I minored in classical history, and one of my dreams is to go back and teach so that's me, but it may not be everybody. There may be some people who can make it work just by being 18 and going to work at a startup and learning as much as they can about a business. I mean, you know, for computer programmers, there's a big argument that they don't need a traditional school. They can get away with a boot camp and then know how to code because that's really what's the value. And that's what you got to key in on. You have to key on the value. The other thing that you mentioned, which is super important, is the work ethic, hard work. None of this comes easy. And I think that's the one thing that I see so many people struggling with. They want to do all this stuff. They've got these great ideas and ambitions, but they just don't want to work. And I think today's society has made it so easy to be lazy because there's just so much convenience now. Like, I can't even imagine what it would have been like if smartphones happened in the 70s. I might not be here. My parents may not have ever gotten together. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right? Who knows? Well, that's so important. You had mentioned, yeah. like, what do you do if you're working hard at a job you don't like? To me, Unless you've got another opportunity, there is value in working hard even if you don't like it. Because it's like, it's a little bit more of an Eastern philosophy, but you know, there's a documentary I recommend everybody watch, and it's called Jinro Dreams of Sushi. And if you watch these master sushi craftsmen who are like in their 80s, still every piece of fish they cut, every grain of rice, every type of sushi, it's perfect. They're always striving for that perfection, and the, the reward is the, the work is its own reward. And I think yep. that's a mentality so many people could benefit from. And I think if you look into other things like music, cooking, Gordon Ramsay's a hero of mine because I really like the way he approaches his work. He's obsessive. And I think that's what people are missing. You need to combine, like, you know, I talked about this on David's podcast, but I think it's worth repeating, right? Like, it's not enough to just say, oh, I want to do this because I'm passionate about it. What are you good at? What are you so good at? The passion comes from being good at it. That's yeah. the key. 
And for me, it wasn't really just sales. And it wasn't really just closing deals. And it wasn't really just studying. It was the combination of all of it. And that's why where I am now is so good for me because I can draw upon a lot of different things. But you know, some people may be really passionate about acting, but they're not good at it. So I mean, <laughs> make a decision at a certain point. What are really important to you? Being good at something or just enjoying it? Now, some people can be get away with just being happy, doing what they like. They're not motivated by money or some of these things. Fine. But to me, you should focus on what you're good at and derive the passion from it and never lose sight of that work ethic. Be hardcore. Wake up early. Make your bed. Go to bed late. Expand your knowledge. Don't just laze out and cop out. It's a cop out. You know, there's so many opportunities for people to be lazy and for people to just kind of sit back and let like let life wash over them and just be a consumer. And it's like, no, you want to be a producer. You want to be a creator. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite things is when I go to a grocery store and the guy bagging the groceries is like the best damn grocery bagger ever. Oh, 100%. I hire tell. people like that. Yes. That's how I do my recruiting. I'll go yes. and look, I'll go shopping. You know, I there was this kid, he, he ended up getting another pro- uh, opportunity, which was great, but I, I saw him at a Starbucks inside of a Target, and I have never seen someone with as much enthusiasm for what he was doing. It's and incredible. Like, he had just a wonderful energy and aura to him, and I was like, dude, you got to be doing something better than this. Give me a yeah. call. I actually, I hooked him up with a couple other interviews, and he he ended up accepting a position doing. Uh, I think he's doing BDR for uh, for a startup in uh, in North Carolina. But yeah, wow. he's um, it was great, and like that kind of stuff. Like there was this one woman at a Taco Bell randomly at two in the morning on a Friday. She was just so enthused. She yeah. couldn't she couldn't be upset if she tried. And I was like, this is another example of that. Um, it's that mindset. It's that yeah, mindset. Exactly. That's exactly. the common thread. It that from everything you said, man. That's the common thread because it's exactly. that mindset of your commitment to excellence for nobody but your your own yeah. self. Yeah. If I go and I get a job cutting grass, I'm going to be the best damn grass cutter ever, and exactly. I'm going to work harder than anybody else. If exactly. you're 20 years into a career and you know you hate it, <laughs> you know you can you can find that that uh ability to shift your mindset and get back to where you need to be so you know i just think that that the things that you shared have been so great uh you know now as we kind of wind down here i want to give you the opportunity to talk about what you're doing at leap and Mm -hmm. tell people why they need to uh use what you guys are uh what you guys got going on over there yeah, so Leap is actually a really awesome platform. Um, I really like working for them. It's uh, software for lawyers. Um, you guys would be surprised if you don't understand, if you don't have family who's in the legal industry, just exactly how much work a lawyer does on a daily basis and how much of it is manual, and it's just atrocious. So what our platform hopes to do is just basically automate as much of their day-to-day work as possible, kind of alleviate them from that uh, administrative stress, save them a ton of time, and then ultimately make them a lot of money. And, you know, we've had so many great successes and wins where people are able to get home earlier and play with their kids. They don't have to waste a Saturday creating invoices in Excel manually for dozens of clients. It's, you wouldn't, it's horrendous. Um, so I really like it. I don't know if it's going to be applicable to a lot of people listening to this. We don't really sell salespeople. It's very focused on just the legal industry. But anybody in law school right now who wants to get a leg up or, you know, maybe start their own practice, definitely something to work look into. We, we specialize in uh, law firms in the Northeast. So definitely give me a call if you want to take a look at a demonstration. I'd love to show you how it, how it can help. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, last question that I ask 
everybody that comes on the podcast, which with you is now two people, <laughs> what's your favorite lunch spot? So I got two answers, and the first one is the real one, which is Kava, which is a little uh, – I call it a Mediterranean Chipotle right near my office in Jersey City, and it's wonderful, it's healthy, it's great. Um, but the second place is my desk because I am always working. I love it, man. I love it. And that's why I wanted to bring you on the Lunch Break podcast because, you know, you're somebody who's a real practitioner. You are out there, you know, doing the real work, but you've also – come quite a long way my friend and just very appreciative of you sharing your story the first time we spoke i got a lot out of it i got even i, I got even more out of this conversation and i know that the audience will as well man so everybody needs to look out for malcolm j smith where can they get in touch with you at man Oh, I'm really easy to get in touch with. I'm right on LinkedIn. I've got my uh, cell phone number right in my profile. But I always give a warning. If you're going to cold call me, it better be good because one of two things is going to happen. I'm either going to be very interested in what you've got or I'm going to use you as an example of what not to do. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Malcolm, thanks so much for joining me. And with that, I'm going to wrap up episode two of the Lunch Break podcast.